Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Coming up on this edition of the Matchday Gagan Pod, 19 straight for Manchester City. The latest victory coming in the Champions League against Borussia Mönchengladbach. But don't you dare miss an opportunity if you play in a Pep Guardiola team. The other tie was interesting. It was controversial to a narrow victory for Real Madrid over Atalanta. We'll also talk about Spurs and them being the most entertaining team in Europe right now. And which of the 400-odd teams remaining in the Europa League they'll beat in the final. We'll also chat through some of the big talking points heading into the Premier League weekends and give the Wollongong Wolves a shout-out as well. Hello again, I'm Richard Bayliss, and joining me today on the podcast, two former Socceroos, John Aloisi and Luke Wilkshire, and our sports editor here at Optus Sport, Dave Wiener. So Manchester City, we wondered whether or not they would be as impressive as Bayern Munich in the round of 16. Dave said a really good phrase on the post-game show, which was, they didn't really have to be. They were better than Gladbach, 2-0 winners. And you'd think, Luke Wilkshire, they'll go through. Yeah, that's for sure. I think we thought that before the game. And, um, and we definitely think that now. I think it was a comfortable performance, a good performance away from home. Uh, not clinical, as Pep Guardiola said. Um, it could have been more, but um, they'll take the 2-0 and I'm sure they'll do the job back home. Yeah, we'll get to Pep Guardiola's frustration in a little bit because his post-game comments were really interesting. But the quality of Zhao Cancelo, Johnny, I know over the past couple of months people have realised, wow, this guy can play, but he essentially created both goals. The first, an unbelievable ball in from the left. Yeah, what a ball that was. They pressed really well. They won the ball straight back. And then as soon as Cancelo got the ball, his first thought was... Where can I actually hit this to actually hurt them? Because they were a little bit open, and what a ball he picked out. He picked out uh, Silva at the back post. Luke will talk all about the ball. I talk about the header. Great technique from the header, because um, that's what strikers well, John, do. John, you've played with a few players who can deliver a ball like that, haven't you? Yeah, a few players. Emo was really good at it. Um. <laughs> Stajowski, Chippers. Yeah, that was pretty much it. <laughs> but Bernardo Silva, yeah, couldn't quite believe his luck. The second one, not quite as direct, and Jesus popped up with what was a pretty important finish for him. 2-0 it ended up. Gladback had a few opportunities, Dave. They'll be frustrated that they didn't take the one right at the death. Wolf essentially one-on-one with Edison, who made a good save. But if they were to pull one back, it, it probably wouldn't have reflected the flow of the game. That, that might have been the frustration that Guardiola referenced after the game, where I think he wasn't just having a subtle crack at Gabriel Jesus's finishing, but the fact that they probably could have made it more than two going in. But how about Edison? I know, you know, in the end you expect him to make that save, but he's literally in the showers at that point. I mean, that was the last kick of the game, and he's still alert, and that what sort of makes them a, a cut above, I think. I didn't see the final stat, but at halftime, they'd gone three and a half games and had six shots against them in the Champions League away from home. They just, they're a fortress at the moment. What I loved about Edison walking off the pitch, he was angry. He was like, 
you can't give up the ball there. You can't make a mistake like that. I think that just proves that they're at that level now. They don't want to drop their standards at all. Pep Guardiola, after the game, talking about, you know, we have to be more ruthless. He, he demands more. When you're winning all the time, that's what you need just to keep that level up. But Ross, you, you start to become a little bit complacent, and that's when the results drop. Well, let's talk about the moment that we're sort of hinting at in terms of Pep Guardiola afterwards. Relatively content. He's been much happier the past couple of months, as you'd imagine. But Gabriel Jesus launched onto a ball that was a poor back pass from Gladbach. He essentially one-on-one with Sommer in goal. He just dallied on it, took his time, tried to create an angle, look for teammates. It looked really messy, and you sense Guardiola was pretty frustrated with his number nine. He was, and, and rightly so. He should have gone through and scored one-on-one. Um, he hesitated. He, he dawdled into the box and was, was looking for the pass. When you want your number nine to, to be confident, you're in the box one-on-one with the goalkeeper, go and score. And he delayed, and, and they got back, and they, they made the defending tackle. Just a question on that, Johnny. As a number nine, I mean, all when we play amateur football, we're all you know annoyed with ourselves and our teammates when they miss an opportunity like that. But as a striker at a professional level, how much pressure will the manager and staff like go to you in the face and say, you messed that up, you should have scored? I mean, is that the level of expectation when you're a number nine at a club like that? Yeah. When you're at a club like that, you said it looked messy. It didn't eat- Definitely didn't look like Lionel Messi because Lionel Messi would have gone straight for goal. We saw Lewandowski yesterday when that back pass. What did he think? Mm. He was going straight for goal. And that's what Guardiola would have... Look, Jesus, uh, he... You'd say he recovered well because he ended up getting on the score sheet, but he'll be going, you have to be selfish there. You have to have one thought on your mind, and that's go for goal. You're, you're one-on-one with a goalkeeper. Put it away. Did you ever have a manager say to you after a game where you missed chances, you needed to do better there? Or was that did that happen all the time? <laughs> yeah, it happened a lot that I missed chances. <laughs> that was, a, that was <laughs> No, you know what? It depends on the – like, if a player is low on confidence, then you have to, like, sort of help him through it and, and help your striker through it. But uh, when you're playing in a team that's winning all the time, that's got confidence, and, and I think Jesus has got confidence. It's not like he hasn't. Then, then he will be a little bit more harder on him. And that's why Pep is harder on his players because he knows that if you're going to win Champions League football – you have to take those opportunities. Is it also come down so that's from like a striker's perspective? Perspective from a coach's perspective, I was what caught my eye at half time was just the intense conversation Guardiola was having with Phil Foden as they were walking out. Literally, the team's walking out, and he's just mad professoring him, hands everywhere, ha- over his shoulder. You have to pick and choose the moments of who you dish out all that information to. I'm keen how you both go with that. Well, for sure, you do, and that, that's man management and understanding the players both on a you know, a football level and a personal level and how they'll take that that information. But I think that was just about them not getting complacent because they controlled the first half so much. It's easy to think, okay, this is a walk in the park. We're cruising here. And he didn't want that. Those standards that we talk about are so high and they need to be if you want to be the champions. And don't, don't let it slip. Don't let those chances pass you by. And he would have saw it against Arsenal as well when they scored so early. They became a little bit complacent, a little bit sloppy. He doesn't want that coming into his game. It's It's... You have to, I think, uh, when you're winning so comfortably all the time and comfortable in a game, that's when he has to demand more. When you're going through a bad spell and and you're low on confidence, that's when you're not so hard. You're trying to actually find the positives. And that's good man management. That's good coaching. And I'm sure Pep knows when he can be hard, when he has to go easy. And I would hazard a guess that uh, Jesus doesn't start at the weekend because we saw a lot of changes. The you know, players need to be at their best against West Ham. We'll preview that a little bit later on in the podcast. Before we move on from this game, 
alive or dead, gents. One word answers to the question, is this tie alive or dead? Dave? Dead. I answered this yesterday, Rich. You did, actually. I said dead <laughs> before this tie even started. <laughs> you, you, you probably thought it would be more comfortable on the score sheet than 2-0, though, I imagine. Yeah, I did. I did. But if Jesus had his goal-scoring boots on, it would have been more comfortable. It's dead. It's dead. It's okay. Up. So here at Optusport, we're trying to give you a reason to watch the Champions League. Uh, well, they could win by a few more, so make sure you tune in. They've got good players, and they're fun to watch sometimes when they get it right. Elsewhere, a game that probably wasn't as fun as it should have been, finished 1-0 to Real Madrid over Atalanta. A controversial one as well, because Freuler was sent off early days for Atalanta. A controversial challenge. He was adjudged to be the last man at tackle on Furlan Mendy. And from there, it, it pretty much dictated the game, Dave. It took until the 87th minute for Mendy himself to score for Real Madrid. It's just disappointing that this really just dictated what sort of football game we got. We thought it was going to be open, or we hoped it was going to be open. Uh, Gasparini wanted it to be open. He wanted to lure it into that, and it was completely taken out of their hands. And whilst they showed a really great resolve to batten down the hatches for almost 70 minutes, in the end, Madrid get what they tend to do in the Champions League, which is a moment of quality. But I want to read out Gasparini's quotes after the game, because I think this sums it all up. He says, I just got banned for saying something in Syria. If I say something now, then UEFA will ban me for a month. But this is football suicide. We cannot have referees who have never played the game and don't know the difference between a challenge and a foul. So I think he did end up saying something and he might get banned after that. <laughs> but the thing is, we discussed it on the... I haven't seen anything quite as unanimous as this on social media where it's just like, not only how is that a red card, how has your mate not told you to go have a look at the screen? And we spoke about on the post-game show at length, the um, was it really the last man? Was there another guy coming in? But I want to also add, was it actually a clear goal-scoring opportunity? No, it wasn't a clear goal-scoring opportunity because his touch went wider. Mendy's touch went out onto the left, going away from goal. So I, it does my head in that uh, they didn't use VAR. That uh, Yesterday they used it well when uh, Giroud scored that goal. The offside, it, it wasn't uh, given at first, then they went back and they got it. But now this one here, he had time. The referee had his hand in his pocket as Mendy was going down. Before he even whistled, he was ready. He, he, he was he was trigger happy with that red card and also the yellow card. Oh, yeah, yellow card for Casemiro a few minutes later means he'll miss the return leg. But it was the same thing. He had the card out waiting for the challenge. It's like he was running around with a red card before that one. It must be hard for Atalanta's players to be able to cop that. Clearly, the manager's speaking about it afterwards, Luke. But I guess the fact that they did hold in only the one-goal deficit, they can't write it off yet. No, it's not. This one's still definitely alive for me. I think um, Atalanta, you know, will go away and they'll, they'll have a good crack at Real Madrid there. And especially if Real don't get some players back, they'll they'll have a chance. But Zapata going yeah, off. Yeah, I was about to say that. Zapata's I, a big loss. That's a loss for them. That's that's a loss, especially when they're going to have to go and chase the game. Um, but they can they can take some positives. The resilience, the resolve they showed um, defensively was, was very good. Um, just obviously very disappointed to concede that goal. We spoke in the previous podcast about how Bayern Munich only having six players on the bench might have been a bit of a flex. You know, we don't need any subs. That definitely wasn't the case for Real Madrid, John. They only had a handful. Mariana Diaz was the only one that's really played to that type of level before, and even he's been disappointing for Real Madrid. They are hanging on by a thread, aren't they? 
hanging on, playing Isco as a false nine. They just, look, their starting 11 was good enough to win football games, but no impact coming in off the bench. Hopefully, for their sake, Benzema comes back soon, Sergio Ramos is back soon, and then you'll start to think, yeah, they could actually do okay. But um, at the moment, that that is still alive, that one. i tell you what, who replaces Casemiro? Yeah, I, look, I, I think that he, then he might change it a little yeah. bit and go with Cruz and Modric, sort of the, the defensive partnership, and then you play with more of an attacking midfielder like Anisco a, a in that attacking midfield role. Yeah, don't think he's got much of a choice there. Mm. Well, time will tell on this one. I feel like this might be a different answer to the question of alive or dead, starting with you this time, Luke. Yeah, no, for me, this one's definitely alive. I think 1-0, um, of, of course, the game's in Atalanta. You know, they, they, they can score goals. They can score goals and they'll, they'll, they won't hold back. Alive. Very alive. Yeah, it has to be, doesn't it? Atalanta are unpredictable at the best of times. If they'd have lost this one 3-0, I think you'd probably still say it's alive, given Real Madrid have their concerns at the moment. A little bit later on in the show, we'll preview the Premier League fixtures coming up this weekend. But first, let's talk the Europa, shall we? And Tottenham are already through to the last 16. They played a day earlier. 8-1 on aggregate, Dave. 4-0 victors in the second leg over Austria's Wolfsburger. And a Deli Alley overhead kick definitely rivals that of your Olivier Giroud 24 hours previous. Yeah, I'm really glad to see Deli Ali go out there and, and do that. He's had a tough season and I mean guys, I mean, not that Rich and I can talk about scoring goals like that, but you can you never lose that quality, right? It doesn't matter he was playing Wolfsburger, you've still got to pull that off. That's a sign of his quality and I would argue, given the season he's had a sign of the temperament that Mourinho has been criticizing him, criticizing him of not having that he can go out and do that. So what more does he have to do now, along with Gareth Bale, to probably convince Mourinho that they need to play more of a part of a side that are as fat as attackers at the moment? What they did this morning, score goals, set up goals. He set up two as well, Deli Alli. Um, it would have been great for Bale getting back on the score sheet. Bale's got that quality. I actually... Looking at Bale now, I go, you know what? He's still got something to, to prove and show, and, and he's moving a lot better. Physically, he looks better. He's uh, He's got that determination again. And uh, I know it's Mourinho's mind games, Luke, and I think now, you know, th- these two could actually make a big difference for them. Yeah, you can look at it and say it's a masterstroke from Mourinho. You know, he's, he's, he's asked the question of him. He's doubted him. Um, and it, again, on, their, on the players' perspective, they've shown the character to go out and perform. It's easy for them to, you know, spit their dummy out and then go out there and just go through the motions, but they want a proven point. There was a moment against West Ham where Gareth Bale sort of skipped inside a couple of players and it was would have been an unbelievable one-on-one goal. He actually probably should have scored. He got into a great finishing position. He made up for it in this game because he did score. Jeez, wouldn't that just be the most Mourinho story ever, though, Dave, if they were to somehow either win this competition, win the League Cup, of course, they're in the final of that. Bale and Ali comes back and he just sort of smirks to everybody and says, I told you so. Gets into the Champions League off the back of a, a Europa League triumph. It's not impossible. It's not impossible on their day, that team. Because you know that if he does choose to you know, put a rearguard action up, they have pulled that off many times this year. Um, I think the Mourinho doubters, though, are back. I think he's got a lot to prove, and I'm fascinated to see how he integrates these guys back in because there will be tougher tests than Wolfsburger and will require more attacking impetus than, than his side has shown for, what, two, three months now? Yep, look, they've relied heavily on Kane and on Son, uh, so this will give them confidence that they've got other players. Lucas Moura has also stepped up recently mm, and yeah. started to, to score a few goals. So 
I hope for their sake that they do end up uh, progressing, you know, a lot further in this tournament. There's still a lot of football to be played to say, yeah, they're going to go win the the Europa League. But the, you know, I think the English sides will more or less be there come semi-finals time. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Carlos Vinicius as well scoring two. He's chipped in in this competition. Yeah, to be precise, 436 teams remain in the Europa League, so they need to get through all of those. Uh, John, we'll have a look at some of the fixtures coming up. Luke, what's your pick out of these? We know Rangers and Antwerp last week, 4-3 in favour of Rangers. The second leg's coming up. One all it was between Arsenal and Benfica. AC Milan held two all by Svena Svezda and Milos Degenek as well. That's to look forward to. Plus Leicester have uh, Sparta Prague side that they were held by uh, nil all. There's a lot to play for across the board. What are you keeping an eye out for in particular? Yeah, there is. There's plenty to keep an eye out for. Look, I think the Arsenal-Benfica one um, is a good game to look at. I think Arsenal really want to progress. It was a a tough game for them over there, but I think they they should be able to do it at home. Um, Leicester against Slavia Prague also. That's, That's one that's it could go either way, but I'll, I'll definitely favour the home side. Yeah, I call them Sparta Prague. I was just making sure you're awake there, Luke. It's <laughs> definitely Slavia Prague. Uh, nil all after the first leg in that one. Uh, an opportunity, you sense, for an Arsenal, John, uh, a Tottenham, because top four is not going to happen for them. It's as simple as that. Getting into the Europa League again is a decent shout, but the pressure ramps up. The longer their inconsistent form in the league happens, surely it increases the pressure on them going at least to, say, the semifinals or potentially winning this competition. I agree. I think that, look, everyone's uh, saying that Arteta's turning that club around, turning the team around. He's rebuilding. They're in a transitional stage. But if they finish 11th and they get knocked out of the Europa League now, it won't be a, a very promising uh, season for him or will he stay on for next season but if they do go and make at least the semi-finals then they can say yes you know he's he's, he's turning it around they've got a sucker that's performing really well Smith Rowe their young players are, are performing Aubameyang started to, to look dangerous again so look it's all to play for I, I think Arsenal will get through this one against Benfica they were good over in Portugal they deserve to win that game and I think at home they'll win I think they need to get through I don't think Benfica's form and obviously we don't watch a hell of a lot of the Portuguese league but it's not been brilliant over the course of the season in fact they've sort of they're lower they're off the more off the pace than they usually are I think he has to win this this tie you say it's obvious you're making it sound like uh, you watch a lot of the Portuguese league it's all about smoke and mirrors Dave now let's look ahead to the Premier League happening this weekend the headline fixture certainly in terms of history and pedigree and also expectation on the clubs would be Chelsea at home to Manchester United this one in the early hours of Monday morning Chelsea were good. I mean, it's a good result for them away at Atletico. They'll be going in with their tails up, still yet to lose Luke under Thomas Tuchel. Eight games, defensively solid. It might not be the most entertaining game ever, this one, but the Blues are in a good place. Yeah, I'd love to say differently with Dave just across from me and being a Chelsea fan, but I think, um, you know, the form Chelsea's in, Tuchel's got them playing really well. I think they've they've got a they've got a fantastic squad of players. We know that, and I think he's, he's starting to get the best out of them. So it's a massive game. Um, but Chelsea at home, I, I think, could 
could get through this one. How's Manchester United's record of still not losing on the road? I mean, if you're a United fan, just that inconsistency must be so frustrating. It is. It's frustrating because uh, there's a lot of times when they're, they're playing at home, you expect them to win and they can't. And then away from home, they go destroy teams. And uh, But I think against Chelsea, because Chelsea under Tuchel especially, they love to dominate possession. They love to play in your half. I think this could suit Man yeah. United because they'll have space in behind them with their fast attacking players as we saw against Real Sociedad, I think that they can actually cause Chelsea problems. It'll suit United and of course Atletico Madrid was a massive test for Chelsea but Atletico Madrid weren't throwing as much forward on the counter-attack. I think this is the first big, big test for Tuchel in the Premier League where all this great possession and all this defensive solidity, will they snuff out a United team that if they're at their best like they were, say, against Sociedad, they're going to be in a position to punish. So I think this, I can't wait for this game. Two sides that also played in European competition midweek meet when it's Leicester at home to Arsenal on Sunday night Australian time. What would it be like, and you obviously played in a back four, Luke, for the defence of Arsenal who know that Jamie Vardy just will score against them. We saw it in the return (laughs) game. Arsenal actually played quite well, were the better team, I'd say, over the 90 minutes. Leicester, you know, soaked it in and then hit them through Jamie Vardy. He loves playing against Arsenal. He was once linked with them. I'm sure they'd like him to be on their team potentially as well. They must just fear him. Yeah, obviously, and I think um, any defence for is Jamie Vardy, especially when he's on form. I think he's, he's always a threat. He's a he's a nuisance, and I don't think anyone enjoys playing against him. And you say that now, and he's already got a, a mental, um, you know, head above the Arsenal defence for the fact that they'd be worrying about him. But I think, you know, Leicester at home, the form that they're in, unbeaten in six, and, you know, Arsenal, like I say, Johnny playing well but not getting results – I th- I'd and that becomes home. a bit of a habit, doesn't it? it? Where, you know, you, you're playing well, you're playing well, but you're not really believing you're going to win the football game. And that's what's happening with Arsenal at the moment. I, th- I think that, you know, that their performances have improved, but they still lack that, uh, that cutting edge in terms of really killing off teams when they get those opportunities. And by the way, at Leicester... Like you, you, they're sort of the forgotten side, always in amongst these conversations, and the injuries they've had, comparable to any other side, they've only lost once in their last sixteen games. I just think Brendan Rodgers must have such a have built such a dressing room there for them to, because tactically he always comes up with answers, but they've got something. They've got something else about them, I think, this year. They want to improve all the time. That's all they got about them. They would have hurt them last year that they missed out on making the Champions League when they were in that position to make it majority of the season. Then they dropped out at the last second. You, when you listen to them talk, you listen to Madison talk, mm. you, you know, that they've got something to prove. Madison, of course, wants to be in the England national team. And the, then you've got the players that want to be back in Champions League football again. Uh, I think they've. He's he's got a good team spirit, but he's also tactically got that team very well drilled. I reckon James Madison might be my favourite player in the Premier League to listen to because he's so open, confident, not trying to hide anything. He is who he is, and he's backed it up. The call was from uh, Jamie Carragher to go and increase your numbers. He's gone and scored. Last week was apparently a shootout between Madison and Grealish. Grealish didn't play, but Madison still went and scored, and they so won Madison the game. Won. He won it. Yep. <laughs> by default, by the way, I talk about Jamie Vardy's record against Arsenal. 11 goals in 12 appearances Ooh. against the Gunners so mm-hmm. not not perfect <laughs> you know what as a striker as well when you've got that knack of scoring against certain opposition you walk out into the pitch believing that you're going to score and so you wouldn't put it past Vardy scoring again speaking of believing that you're going to score we'll apply this to Manchester City at home to West Ham but let's also apply it to the visitors 
how impressive are they? If Leicester has gone under the radar, Dave, surely West Ham are the story of the season. If they're to hang on to, top six or seven would be phenomenal from where they were, but top four, it's outrageous. They're, they're the story of the season. And actually, I got stopped in my tracks looking at a headline this week that said the best team in London. I went, well, they actually are right now. And it's the renaissance of David Moyes, who's come back after so many years of being ridiculed for his style. But he hasn't actually... This is almost as close to the Everton blueprint coming back to life again. And he's done it brilliantly. Uh, I think you've got to admire, particularly the way Suchek in the middle of the park, what a player he is. But he's extracted everything from... Sorry, and I should add Declan Rice, what a partnership that is. Um, But he's extracted everything out of them. And... Like at a club that's had a fair bit of instability in recent years, this is now his team. It's got his imprint on it. If you're not the type of player he wants, you're not getting in. Well, you look at their side and you go, where's their weakness? They, they, you know, they're strong at the back. Uh, in the midfield, I think Declan Rice has been probably the, the best English defensive midfielder. Mm. Um, and you've got Suchek that pops up and scores goals. And then up top, you've got players that score goals. And Lingard looks like he's got a new yeah. lease of life. And, and what an impact he's made. So just on that, obviously he's coming and scores some goals. But that celebration the other day, of course he always does his jig and that's typical. But he's only been in there, what, a couple of weeks a little bit longer, I guess. And at the training ground, they've gone, oh, no, let's do a whole ensemble thing. for Niles yeah. and Declan Rice playing the drums. And it was a bit of a laugh. But what does that tell you about the team unity, that a new player comes in, the teammates get around him straight away, and he's performing on the pitch? It does. It says everything about the culture, about the unity within the squad, and, and how quickly Jesse Lingard could go in and, and buy into that culture. And, you know, he's a he's a character, Jesse Lingard. And, and you know, he's, he's really fit in really well. It's a duck to water there. And... And brought something something different for them, um, and you know it's clear to see. That's classic Moyes. That's classic Moyes. If you if you read anything that or see read it, and Timmy may have spoken to you guys about him while you were in camp, but it just seems the way he seems to be able to galvanize when he's at his best, he gets to galvanize teams. And I remember when he was under big pressure at United, uh, I did a piece with Tim, sort of talking about Moyes' strengths. And the way he waxed lyrical about him, it, it didn't seem like things that were so suited to a big club like Manchester United, but you apply it to a club with players like West Ham with a point to prove, and you can just see it resonating here. Absolutely. So we talked them up, West Ham. Do they get something against Manchester City? <laughs> no. Are we leaning that? No? Okay. Dead um, is the answer to that I, one. I actually think they might. Yeah. Okay. I, I actually think this is the time that... Uh, Manchester City's 19-game winning streak could come to an end. And that's just because West Ham are in, in, in that form that they believe that they can beat anyone and, and get a result. I don't know if they're capable of beating Manchester City, but getting a result, oh, I think they can. I think also, you know, City will be hampered by the fact they've got to bring some of their bench warmers on. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne, <laughs> uh, John Stones, Riyad Mahrez, Fernandinho. What about Scott Carson? Probably to a lesser extent, Scott Carson. Uh, he might have to bide his time a little bit longer. But uh, yeah, I well, mean... Edison might need a rest. He had a big workout. That's exactly right. Well, he's not happy about it. So that kicks us off on the weekend, the opening game on Saturday night. Coverage as always, 10pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. We're live on Facebook and YouTube as well. And you guys can have your questions and thoughts answered. We just want to hear your predictions for not only that game, but everything over the weekend. Overnight Saturday also includes West Brom and Brighton. Can West Brom drag Brighton into that body? 
bottom three after Brighton somehow did not get a point, let alone win against Crystal Palace. Leeds against Aston Villa should be an interesting one. If Leeds win that one early Sunday, they're up to eighth, if only for 24 hours or so. Newcastle at home to Wolves. And then on Sunday night, Crystal Palace and Fulham at the same time as Leicester and Arsenal. Spurs and Burnley in the early hours of Monday. That huge one we talk about, Chelsea and Manchester United. Then... Sheffield United at home to Liverpool. Briefly, guys, is this the game where Liverpool just sorted out in the league? That's a tough game away. And, you know, Sheffield United aren't just going to roll over for them. Yeah, and Jordan Henderson out now for a while too. Look, it's it's one that you go back, what, a year ago, you'd expect them to to wipe the floor of them. but, But just now the form that Liverpool are in. And Sheffield United haven't been too bad over over recent times. So it's a tough game for them. You just uh, wonder, John, whether the bubbles burst, burst over Sheffield United because they lost that game to Fulham. Yeah, uh, look, I don't think they can save themselves. I think uh, as well they, they'll be going, look, we're just going to try and give it our all against Liverpool. We've got nothing to lose. That We're there to try and upset them. Um, but this is a game for Liverpool to win but grind out a result. Because sometimes, you know, when you grind out those results, Luke, it might get the team, you know, together again. Because uh, at the moment, it just seems like everything's going against them. Everything's going against them. Sometimes you just need that scrappy win that you grind it out, that you go, come on, boys, we're together again. And uh, for Liverpool's sake, they need to win because top four is looking a challenge at the moment. There are a few nervous Liverpool fans about this game. I don't think it's cut and dry by any stretch of the imagination. No, keep an eye out for this. That's on Monday morning. And then on Tuesday, it's Everton at home to a Southampton team that are in free fall. They've lost a heap of games of late after a great start to the season. Injuries and negativity around the club. They're in mid-table. They'll be fine, but the Saints would love to turn it around. That's it from us on the Match Day edition of the Gagan Pod. Uh, Luke, all the best to the Wolves on the weekend, the opening weekend of the NPL. you got Rockdale, confident? Always. Always. I've noticed that, actually. (laughs) Good luck to you. Obviously, uh, you're doing a great job down there. We look forward to seeing how you go across this season. Johnny, will we have you back on the weekend on Saturday? I'll be back in the studio in Brisbane. So I'm looking forward to it. It should be a good show and a good game. Indeed, it shall. Dave Wiener, when's the next time you're going to sleep? You haven't slept for months. (laughs) Treat yourself. (laughs) <laughs> you haven't been outside for months You're looking white but it, it, it doesn't show it doesn't What show. time is Chelsea United on Monday? 3.30 That probably explains it all Oh man Yeah I, I, I don't know what What weighs up over these weekends uh, Anyway You can watch every game on demand You don't have to watch it live If you don't want to On Optus Sport That's it for us Thanks as always For joining us On the Match Day edition Of the Gagan Pod Between this and the next one Make sure you enjoy your football Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.